Welcome to episode 8 of A Politic. This is the progressive discussion of politics for people who hate politics. And we're really hoping that you're getting empowered. We're hoping that you will reject the idea of dropping out and not participating in the system. So we want you to register to vote. And in Ohio, October 5th is that deadline. And then early voting starts the next day. And we hope that you will really think about getting involved and more important, is learning about the issues because you can't cast an intelligent vote if you don't learn about the issues. And we're going to be dealing with the issues and this is going to be an extended discussion over many months, many years to talk about all the different nuances in public policy, as well as the private sector. We want to basically also encourage people that, you know, the old idea of the progressives want government control of the economy. That's an old idea. That was a 19th century idea, early 20th century. Government needs to control the economy. We saw that basically go away when communism fell and the situation in China, there is a political control over the economy, which we believe will be ending. But anyway, we're not going to talk about that today. We're just making a general point that we want to encourage the public sector and the private sector to really work together for the improvement of our society. So today we're going to talk about principle number four, Thank you for joining us. So, welcome to A Politic, episode number eight. And we've been trying to keep to a format of 15 minutes per podcast. So, this is the eighth podcast. However, we've been a little bit um, challenged to keep the discussions of our progressive principles to 15 minutes. We've run over a little bit, so we don't want to exceed the 15 to 20 minute time frame. But today we're going to talk about number four, principle number four of our progressive philosophy, the, the underpinnings of progressivism. So I'm going to ask Steve to tell us what is principle number four of our progressive philosophy. Principle number four increases care and aid for members of our society who are disabled or otherwise unable to function at their full potential. Okay. So there is a foundational principle that we must 
make it easy as possible for all members of society to function. And that is facilitated by having universal health care, but we're not getting into that today. Our main things today are dealing with the issue of mail-in voting, because some people have said that it's very important to be able to cast your vote by mail because of the health implications of the pandemic. Some people are at risk if they were to stand in a line. Now I heard the other day a Facebook post where a guy said, well, why is it okay for me to stand in line to buy food with a mask on, but it's not okay for me to stand in line to vote? And so, Steve, what would you say to that guy? What, what is the difference between standing in a line at the grocery store and standing in line to vote as opposed to being able to cast your vote by mail? Well, Bill, there, there is a difference in the exercise of going to the grocery store. You could have someone go to the store on your behalf uh, if you're elderly or uh, uh, medically challenged in some way, physically challenged, um, your weight in, in a grocery line checkout might be, you know, 10 minutes, whatever. But on an election day, you may find yourself in a November uh, cold snap waiting in line for hours uh, outside uh, the polling uh, station uh, before you even got into the building to cast your vote. And if you're not well or you're dealing with an illness, uh, this is uh, not uh, a very good uh, exercise in taking care of yourself. So there is a difference. And so the access to voting by mail eliminates the, um, the situation of a person having to deal with bad weather and wait in line for hours perhaps to vote when they can just sign the document, send it off. Right, and the other thing is you are much less likely to be exposed to other people if you're voting by mail, whereas if you're voting at a polling place. Now, I personally, even though I'm 70 years old and I have some risk factors, I want to vote in person. I want to go into that polling place and I want my vote to be counted, and I'm actually planning to go the first day of early voting, which will be October 6th here in Ohio. And I, I think you've mentioned in the past that you likewise want to be able to vote in person. Is that oh, I, I plan on, on voting in person. I'll probably vote on election day. But um, I think what, what should empower everyone is that so many previous generations of Americans have sacrificed um, uh, so that we could have the right to choose our leaders. And all I can see is the 
American soldiers hitting the D-Day beaches or Iwo Jima beaches and the courage that they demonstrated to preserve our way of life, that if I have to stand in line with a mask on on Election Day, um, as you know, it, it, it is in comparison, no um, comparison to a profile and courage that our previous um, uh, citizens have, have laid down their lives for so we could have this right. So I don't think uh, uh, we should um, be fearful of um, having the courage to, to go out and vote if we feel strongly enough to do so on Election Day. But at the same time, if we don't feel that way, the progressive philosophy says, let's make adjustments. Let's allow people who don't feel that they are physically healthy enough to go out to the polls, let's make it easy for them to vote by mail. Now, of course, no one is in favor of allowing fraud I've heard crazy stories like China's going to try and send in false ballots and all kinds of stuff. Again, none of that is realistic. But what we're saying is, if you need to vote by mail, let's make it easy to vote by mail. If you want to cast your vote in person at a polling place, go ahead and do so. The key is register before October 5th and vote before November 3rd, right? You know, it, it, it's really kind of a red herring, all this, uh, you know, well, uh, you, the mail isn't secure and you've got to wonder whether or not it'll get there and it'll be counted. No one seems to say anything about the mailing system when it comes to sending your federal income tax to the IRS. It certainly gets there on time with nobody chasing people for where is your, your taxes. Your, your prescriptions seem to uh, arrive on time in, a, in the mail system. People aren't calling in saying, where's my meds? Uh, we can do the census once every 10 years through the mail. A good portion of it's done. And I would think that the, the banks and savings and loans of this, com this country would be pulling their hair out of their head if they said, hey, we didn't get your mortgage statement on time. Where's your car payment? I mean, everybody seems to be just fine uh, with, the, with using the mail system for all these other important aspects of our lives, but sending in a paper ballot in a sealed envelope with a barcode that is secure is to me i i just don't understand what the difference is between that and sending your irs taxes in well i agree by mail the the concern was that this political appointee who donated a million dollars to a presidential campaign and contributed to other people that i heard on friday this particular individual a postmaster general donated to many candidates, not just one. And now he's in this position and he started instituting quote-unquote cost-cutting measures to slow down the Postal Service. And all of a sudden, right after he's in office and he starts instituting these cost-saving measures, they begin, wait a minute, they begin to see measurable declines of how the Postal Service is working. 
So that's one of the things that they're concerned about is this guy is trying to put his thumb on the scale of how the system works. And what, what seems to also be uh, head-scratching is all of a sudden these rather complicated mass sorting machines find themselves dismantled or sitting on a back dock somewhere. The blue mailboxes that are basically in people's neighborhoods wind up being taken away. I mean, all of a sudden, now we're doing this? I mean, where's where's the method to the madness? And the method to the madness is to make the exercise of using the Postal Service to register your choices this election so that you're forced to say, well, I've got to go and vote in person, and the elderly are going to find, or our seniors are going to find it you know, uh, a, a consequential judgment to say, well, look, I don't want to risk maybe getting infected with, with the virus, so I'll probably stay home and I won't vote at all. And that's exactly where some people would prefer seeing the, this November exercise actually unfolding. Yep, I think you're right. It, 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 it is a form of voter suppression. I mean, all you know, all the elections in the past, we've used the mail with no controversies. Now, all of a sudden, there's a controversy. Yep. Well, we want to get that participation up from in the 58 to 60% range to hopefully at least 66% this time. And we want to continue seeing voter participation climbing so that we can get up into the 90% 95%. So we've got a lot of work to do. Now, there was another um, issue that is impacting the current society, and this relates to, again, this principle of increases care and aid for members of our society who are disabled or otherwise unable to function at their full potential and that is the COVID response. And Steve, I'd like for you to contrast basically the Republican um, approach and the Democrat approach. And we wanna try to do this fairly briefly, but we wanna summarize those two approaches. Can you do that for us? The pandemic that the world is facing is global in its reach and the country really is a single nation and we have to address the the COVID-19 pandemic as a nation not as 50 individual governmental entities each one kind of having their own way of approaching how they want to test how they want to um, register all that information and it's sort of like herding cats i mean one of the things that always stood out in my mind was if each state is doing their own thing in terms of trying to you know get their arms around this virus people travel every day across state boundaries so you may have a state that has uh, a statewide mask ordinance and the budding state 
has none. And so people who live on border near the boundaries can just drive into the next town across the border and, um, you know, they may be infected and they're not wearing masks. So that state doesn't, doesn't mandate it. But if you're going the other direction, you have to wear a mask. So it's really a haphazard way of trying to address something that, as they say, the, the virus doesn't really respect boundaries or borders it's going to go wherever there's a human being and um, uh, we have to have a national um, uh, focus on how to fight this rather than just have 50 individual and then you have the individual counties the states then turn around and say well we're going to leave it to the counties to decide i mean it's it's really um, haphazard and that's being kind so really what we're talking about, and again, this is the progressive versus what we might call the conservative approach. The progressive approach says, let's do this as a country, as a unified people. The conservative approach says, let's do it state by state. Let's just let the federal government stay out of this whole thing. And so, again, we have to decide, are we going with a more national approach or are we going with a more local approach? You know, you know what it, it kind of brings to mind? The interstate highway system. The standards of that infrastructure apply to all 50 states. If you're building part of the interstate highway system and you're in Oklahoma, it is the same standard of specifications for the roadway that you'd find in Ohio or Massachusetts or Florida. Can you imagine having an interstate highway system as soon as you go from Ohio, Indiana, it goes from three lanes down to one lane? And then, I mean, it's just absolutely, uh, you know, some states would say, well, we'll allow crossroads to, you know, kind of cross the interstate, whereas the national standard is there's no other roads that can, you have to bridge, go over uh, the interstate with a bridge rather than at grade. I mean, we wouldn't have an interstate system. It would be a hodgepodge, and it would, and you, you can imagine trying to move cargo and freight uh, on, you know, with trucks across a, an interstate highway system that every state had a different standard of roadway construction. Well, that's a great example because really that's what we used to have before the interstate system was developed in the 1960s. And our original rationale was we need this for national defense. Now, to my mind, that was crazy because we are never going to face an invasion from another country or from other countries where we're going to need to have the ability to defend ourselves with a national defense highway system. But that was how it was sold in the 60s. And it makes a lot of sense. If you go on the state highways and you go from Ohio to Kentucky or you go from Ohio to Indiana or to Pennsylvania, or Michigan, then you are going to see some very significant differences when you go from one state to the next. But with the interstate federal system, you have no major changes. You can maintain your commerce. You can maintain your transportation in a very comprehensive way 
such that you won't have to try to figure out which roads to take. You just point your truck or you point your vehicle in the direction you want to go, and then you just go. And you, you don't even, you may not even recognize, except for, uh, you know, state border signs, you probably never know you crossed the state line. Right. Well, that's it for today. Thank you very much, Steve. You as well, Bill. Thank you for joining us for episode eight of A Politic. We hope you're feeling more empowered. We hope you're feeling more significant and important in this situation. We hope you're getting more motivated to get registered and to vote. Your vote really counts. See you next time.